At Bank of Ireland, you don't have to talk face-to-face. Our mortgage team are happy to talk FaceTime to FaceTime and give you all the info you need, from how to get started to how much to save. FaceTime our mortgage team to talk about a personalised mortgage that's right for you. When you're ready to make a move, we're ready to make it with you. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval subject to assessment of suitability and affordability. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Anybody got a friend? Real positive friend? Almost too positive? A friend who just, it could be worse you to death every time you try to go to them with some pain? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You be like, yo, how you doing? Broke my arm. Oh, man. At least you got your legs. What? My arm hurt, fam. Yeah, but if you got two legs, you only need one arm. What? Who, who told you that? <laughs> Yo, how you doing? Yo, I'm good, bro. Going to prison, though. I just got 25. Oh, shit. At least you ain't get life. What? But I got 25. Yeah, but it's not life, fam. Acknowledge my 25. Yo, how you doing? Oh, man. My kid just got into a real bad emergency, so I had to clean out my entire savings. And on my way to go pick him up, I crashed the car. And now I'm about to kill my kid when I see him, so I have no money, no car, no kid. At least you're breathing. What? <laughs> oh, that's, that's what we going to resort to? Breath? I have air? Sometimes you got to acknowledge your friend's pain. Don't he could be worse somebody to death. Don't be that friend. What you going to say at my funeral? Oh, man, at least you ain't alive. <laughs> Just acknowledge where I am. It's either that friend or it's the friend that try to make you feel guilty for being down about something. Right? You, ever, you know that friend? You be like, yo, man, I'm going through a breakup, man. Life is hard. Do you know how many people don't have a bed? Fam, what does that have to do with the fact that I loved her? <laughs> acknowledge the man's breakup. Some people don't let you have nothing. Meanwhile, the rest of us are always giving, right? I was with my homegirl the other day. She was telling me about her life, and I was giving her the best advice I could. And she was like, Mo, I got to tell you, man, I feel blessed to have you as a friend because you give some really amazing advice. Like, you drop life jewels that I really need. And I was like, listen. I said, listen, I'm not special. I'm just the only man in your life who comes over empty-handed and still leaves having gave you a gift. (laughs) Nah, y'all not rolling? Alright, never mind. Welcome to In the Moment. There's a moment in everything, and everything is a moment. I talk about the comedy in it all. If this is your first time, welcome to the funniest podcast you've never heard. I'm your new favorite comedian, Mo Mitchell, your money back. Shout out to all my regular listeners. Episode 37. Yeah. This what we on this week. This how I'm feeling. CeeLo said he tired of y'all with me. <laughs> CeeLo said he had enough of women making music <laughs> I'm not, ladies I'm not laughing because I agree with him Don't y'all start that I'm laughing because I can't believe he said it Ladies, y'all still listening to CeeLo? Oh man, if they cancel CeeLo, I don't know what I'm going to do, man How y'all feeling? I'm feeling good today Midweek History is happening. It's still 2020, but we getting by. We getting by, okay? Just We almost there. We almost there. Just pushing for 2021, damn it. Here we come. <laughs> I think everybody about to say Happy New Year at the end of this year louder than they ever have. This is going to be the most vicious Happy New Year ever. <laughs> you're going to hear it. I'm telling you, you're going to hear it. It's going to be so loud that you're going to hear the unison Happy New Year from the entire planet. Because everyone is going to be so excited to see this year go by, by 2020. It's all about new vision. All right, let's get into some things I'm mad at. I thought about this the other day. I noticed that 
Sometime when you break up with somebody, all of a sudden, <laughs> a lot of your friends and your family start getting very honest about the person you were with. <laughs> Have y'all noticed that? I don't like that. You could be with somebody for years, right? And then as soon as y'all are not together anymore, you go to your best friend, you go to your mom, your dad, your sisters, your grandma, your cousin, whoever. Like, yo, me and so-and-so not rocking anymore. I never liked that bitch. <laughs> Wait a minute. Where's this energy coming from? We were together for 20 years. When did you discover this? I never liked her from day one. Some Sometime they'll go into like real detail and have specific events and moments of why they just couldn't stand the person that you were with. I'll never forget. I still remember the day she pulled that bullshit in the kitchen. Wait a minute. Why didn't you tell me this when we were together? Now nah, I ain't want to hurt you. <laughs> you were in love. Now don't give me that. Whatever energy you had for the person I was with while I was with them, you keep that same energy when we break up, okay? Don't, don't switch up now. Don't do that. No, because I wanted this information 20 years ago, 5 years ago, 10 months ago, whatever the case. Don't give me the information now. <laughs> I do not like that. Some of y'all can't wait for your friend to break up so you could be honest. <laughs> no. Give me that energy right now. Give them the energy while the person is there. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I'm just giving y'all advice I wouldn't take because I'm certainly not getting in anybody's business. But I also would keep the same energy when they break up. I'm not going to be the person as soon as y'all break up. Yo, fam, I don't even know why you were with her. Her breath was crazy. Her teeth looked like they didn't like each other. Her toes didn't know how to social distance. It was a nasty look for you, but I never wanted to tell you nothing because you loved her. That's a wild statement <laughs> to make to somebody you consider a friend. I never liked her for you. <laughs> she was so fake. You just as fake. <laughs> y'all are the same. Oh, man, I'm mad at that. What else am I mad at? I'm mad at, you know what, I'm, I'm mad at masks. I am. I'm not mad because we have to wear them. I'm not that person. I'm not mad because you have to smell your own breath all day. I'm not that person either. I brush my teeth a lot. <laughs> I'm constantly conscious of how my breath smells to other people. So every time someone says, yo, my mask, it makes me smell my own breath. I'm like, good, because that's what you've put other people through your entire life. It's about time. Your karma is your mask. Wear it. Wear it in a house when you're alone, in fact. Wear it. I'm not mad at that. What I'm mad at is, number one, I'm mad at the fact that I keep forgetting it. <laughs> like, every time I go somewhere and I get out the car to go where I'm going, I always get halfway there, and I'm like, damn it. I forgot my mask. <laughs> I hate that that's a thing now. Do y'all do this? I'm constantly forgetting my mask. And it took me years to get to where I am, where I know exactly what to look for when I leave somewhere. When I leave my home, my car, like I know when I forgot something because I know how much I'm supposed to weigh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know if my phone is in my pocket, I know if my keys are in my pocket, right? You, you know the essentials, phone, wallet, keys. Shout out to Adam Sandler. That's the essentials, not anymore. It's phone, wallet, keys, mask. It's phone, wallet, keys, mask on. Is your mask on? You have, we got to redo it. I'm like, I know when I forgot my phone, I know when I forgot my keys, I always forget my mask. Sometimes it takes me to see somebody with a mask 
And then they give me the look and I feel it. I feel the energy. Look at this maskless, nasty individual. And I'm like, whoa, buddy. I just forgot mine. You relax, okay? And then I remember I have to go get my mask. I'm mad at that. I'm mad that I keep forgetting it. And I'm mad that every time I have my mask on, I have to put the code into my phone. Apple, what are you doing? It's been enough time. Send the update. And I apologize if I just don't have it. But why is there not a mask recognition update? Why is there not mask recognition software? Recognize my face through the mask. It's me. My phone has been with me long enough to know that it's still me with a mask on. <laughs> These are the things we complain about nowadays. I am way too lazy at this point of my life to have to type in four digits to get into my phone. That is ridiculous. Okay, recognize these eyes. These eyes used to do it for you. I feel like somebody who's been in a relationship too long. All of a sudden, my eyes no longer do it for you. Now you actually want me to type in numbers? No, look into my eyes. <laughs> and another reason I'm mad is because my own phone won't let me in with a mask, but somehow my ex got in every time she wanted to and she wasn't even me. At least I'm me. Why can't I break in? She broke in being someone else. This is ridiculous, Apple. <laughs> I'm mad at Apple this week. I'm mad at some comments I saw too. Y'all be trying me. <laughs> some of y'all be trying me, man. I, uh, we're doing this thing called Question of the Week now. And the question of the week this week was, name a movie that you've seen at least five times with no explanation, right? I tried to think of a movie that it would even be worth me telling you. Now, I think a part of my problem is I'm always trying to think as an entertainer. I'm always trying to think from the standpoint of how can I make this interesting, even if it's something that's not that interesting. I'm just trying to make it to where you wouldn't be bored listening to it anytime that I create any type of art. So even in something this simple, I tried to think of a movie that people would have been shocked that I've seen five times. There's a million movies I could tell you I've seen five times that you'd go, yeah, I could have thought of that. So I said Grease, and the reason I said Grease is because, one, it's a movie I think would shock people if they know I've watched it more than five times, and two, it's a movie I've watched more than five times, but I've never seen it. And I figured, because I couldn't give an explanation, that would be dope, right? It would make people go, well, how is that a thing? Well, the thing is, Grease was like my mom's favorite movie for the majority of my life. It probably still is. So she used to constantly watch Grease when I was a kid. And I just found myself wanting to be with my mom, even though I didn't know why all these people were so happy, why all these people were dancing and singing instead of just talking to me. But I just wanted to be with my mom. So I just watched it with her. And I don't remember anything about it because I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> I can't tell you a scene. I can't tell you what it's about. I know John Travolta is in it. I know it's some swag. And I know eventually I'm going to hear something about shake, shake, shake the pie. But if it's it, if it is, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all I know. So I thought, okay, that'll be cool. But no, I wasn't received like that because, of course, you got the people that's like, wow, everybody come look at Mo. He's watched Grease, but he ain't seen Five Heartbeats. But he ain't seen Coming to America. Okay, all right. <laughs> listen, listen, <laughs> real quick. Announcement real quick. Just because somebody has seen one movie doesn't mean they haven't seen any other movie ever. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you are any kind of fan of mine, 
You know that Coming to America is my favorite movie on the planet. I've said this a million times. I've seen Coming to America a thousand times. I just didn't think that that would be interesting to people. <laughs> oh, shocker there. Mo's seen The Color Purple five times. The Five Heartbeats. Boys in the Hood. The list goes on. But the moment I tell y'all I've seen Grease and I used to watch Three's Company all the time, all of a sudden I'm not black anymore. I've had enough of it. <laughs> I've had enough. I was just trying to make it entertaining and I got attacked. I tried to take away my black card because I didn't say soul food. I mean, like, that's easy. I was trying to give a little flavor. I was trying to give something that was a little interesting. So I said Grease. I'll never do that again. Damn, how make how watching Grease make me less black? I put Grease in my hair every day. Moving on. <laughs> Yo, I'm tired of some black people always trying to make other black people not black enough. Because it's never the black people that are really black. It's, it's usually not the black person that actually grew up in the hood being stereotyped. Or actually grew up having to experience racism firsthand. Or had to represent an entire culture because of the position they were in. It's never like that kind of black person that challenges another black person's blackness. But I'm off that. Speaking of blackness... Uh, real quick, I want y'all to hear this clip of Judge Mathis thinking that Anthony Anderson was in his courtroom. One, because it's funny, and two, because Judge Mathis, what the hell, fam? Hey, man, what'd you get in here? Oh, man, Anthony Anderson. Give him a hand. Now, he, uh, he's been here for shows on television really i mean they give a lot of social commentary deal with social issues no show since the jeffersons good times and the others have done as much as uh blackish in terms of dealing with social issues so i want you all to thank anthony Y'all got to see this video because I'm sorry. To me, he didn't look anything like Anthony Anderson. And I just thought this was funny because the first thing that Judge Mathis said when he realized how embarrassed he was was, why are you sitting there clapping, man? You should have said something. Yo, judges be the first people to tell you to keep your mouth shut inside their courtroom, don't they? <laughs> they the first ones to try to intimidate everybody to the point where you never want to speak unless you're asked to speak. Don't attack that man for not speaking in your courtroom because you're an idiot. Don't do that, judge. Don't do that. You got this one wrong. You judged that man as a judge and was wrong. You should have been sentenced. That man ain't look nothing like Anthony Anderson. Nothing. He just looked like another black guy with a beard. I, he's from Chicago, though, so I ain't going to say too much about the judge. But come on. That wasn't no damn Anthony Anderson. That made the whole courtroom clap for that man. And the people clapping next to him knew that wasn't no damn Anthony Anderson. They knew they wasn't clapping for Anthony. They just was clapping because they didn't want to get arrested. You be in jail, somebody be like, what you in here for? You talking about, yeah, I accidentally didn't clap when the judge said it was Anthony Anderson in the courtroom. He be like, oh, it could be worse. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you one of those? No, no, it can't, actually. I don't care who don't have a bed. <laughs> ain't no worse than this, bro. The moral of the story is I've seen the five heartbeats. I've seen the color purple. I've seen coming to America. Relax. All right, let's get down to business. Let me talk to the women. Shout out to the women. Round of applause for the women real quick. I, I want to say this is the year of the woman, but I will not say that because it's still 2020 and I don't want the women to kill me. But women are really winning this year. So we start with Joe Biden choosing Camilla Harris. Congratulations. Uh, I don't like to speak on politics a lot. It's not really my lane. 
uh, but I will say this. It's a it's a historic day, obviously. It's an historic moment for black women. I always thought it was ridiculous that women are not in these positions of power more when women are clearly the backbone of this country and and teach us so much through so many things that it's it's nice to finally see women starting to be put in these positions in order to help us as a country because because when you think about how women help us as individuals every day, why wasn't this done a long time ago? It's ridiculous, yet it is what it is. Here we are at 2020 saying that this is a historical moment for women. But not to be negative, it is, and we should celebrate that. And I know a lot of black people are eh, iffy about her because of her past, some of the decisions that she's made, some of the mistakes that she has made. She was also behind mass incarceration, uh, a lot of brothers are incarcerated because of her. A lot of people a lot of people feel as if a lot of innocent people are incarcerated because of her. Some people also feel like Joe Biden should have made another decision. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that either. I just I just also believe that regardless of what decisions Joe Biden would have made, some people wouldn't have been happy with it. That's the game, that's the way it goes. What I do know is for a black woman to be in this position, at least for now, we have to support her. We have to get behind her. We do. We have to. She is going to come under massive attack. I believe that for being a woman in this position, first of all, and second, for being a black woman in this position. She is going to be under some pressure and they are going to wait for her to fall. They're dying to see it. So we have to support her and celebrate the moment. And I'm hopeful that she'll make amends for some of the things that she has done that people feel some type of way toward her for. But in the meantime, she's had people speak against her. She's had people speak for her. But even her enemies, I've noticed, even a lot of the people who were against her at some point have said, listen, she's fierce. I don't want to be against her. Say what you want. So she's going to shake some things up. She's going to make some changes and we're going to see what happens. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to let it play out. But I will support a black woman being in this position 1000%. That's all I'll say about that because I'm not the most political person in the world and I also believe in letting things play out. Um, Cardi B featuring Meg Wap, new song. I'm pretty sure most of you have heard it. If not, go listen to it. Just make sure no kids are there when you do. Now, first of all, congratulations, Cardi. Congratulations, Meg. Uh, it's a hit. Congratulations to women again, period. I mean, hip hop, the fact that we're talking about it, the fact that it's such a big record, I think more and more now we're starting to talk about these big records in hip hop from women. I think that's dope. Now, as far as the content of the music at a time like this, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't have been mad if I saw Cardi and Meg use their platforms for something better at a time like this. However, I'm not going to comment on the content of the song because I'm staying out of women's business. <laughs> That's just what I'm doing. I've, I've made the mistake of, <laughs> of giving my opinion on things like this before, and I will never do it again. So I'm staying out of women's business. That's not for me. CeeLo Green, on the other hand, <laughs> seems to have a lot to say. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with CeeLo Green or his music, but uh, he was once a part of Goody Mob, and he's a really dope artist. Uh, he has been for a very long time, and he made some very bold and straightforward comments and he got and he took a lot of heat for it he, he pretty much said that music has declined since the 70s it's not what it used to be and a lot of that he blames on women and the likes of the Nicki Minaj's of the world who are not necessarily true artists it's not about the content to them it's about being sex figures in order to sell music I think is what he was pretty much getting to and well one you can't say that because 
obviously the first response is going to be, well, men have been doing it for years, so don't say anything now that women are doing it. That's kind of hard to argue. I, I honestly think it's whack when men do it too. I didn't think it was dope that Safari jumped on a remix and started talking about his penis. Like, fam, I, I thought that was corny, but that's just me. Th there were also women saying that CeeLo was sexist and a misogynist because he's had records about certain things that could be questioned as well. I don't know enough about CeeLo's catalog to verify that, so I'll just take the internet's word for it. However, I will say this. I don't understand why Kylie got so much smoke. I don't. I don't get it. Everybody was mad at the fact that Kylie was in the video, but Kylie didn't put herself in the video. She was invited, clearly. All she did was show up somewhere she was invited. If you're going to be mad that she was in the video, then the energy should have been directed toward Cardi. Cardi was hands-on. She released videos that showed how hands-on she was with this project. So why is everyone mad at Kylie? Kylie did what either one of us would have done. If Car Cardi and Meg could have called me and say, yo, you want to get in a leopard suit for the video? Yes. <laughs> Why don't I? I don't care how you feel. I didn't put on a bra and a dress for the Burt show. I'm certainly putting on the Panther suit for the Meg and Cardi video. I don't care how y'all feel. And neither does Kylie. Or at least she shouldn't. She was invited. Do I think she should have been in the video? I don't really care, to be honest. But for the people who are mad that she was in it, what would you mad at her for? Be mad at Cardi. It's Cardi's idea. I, I don't get that. And to me, and I also don't understand some of the energy towards artists, right? Because I remember when this whole Black Lives Matter movement started, there were a lot of media personalities that were saying, hey, if you're dropping music right now at a time like this and it's not about pushing the culture forward, I don't want to hear it. Period. That's what people were saying. And then all of a sudden, Cardi and Meg dropped this, uh, this song that's clearly not about the culture or pushing it forward. It's about something entirely different. And no one seems to care about that. They're mad at who was in the video, but they're not mad at the fact that they're not using their platform for something better than this during this Black Lives Matter time. I don't care. I'm staying out of women's business. I just want people to keep the same energy. That's all I'm saying. It did what it was supposed to do in their eyes, I'm sure. It's a dope beat. It's a dope song. It's an amazing video. They got it rocking. It's a bunch of dudes sitting in front of their laptop every day now. It's a bunch of women running around thinking that they too don't have to cook or clean to get a ring, even though they don't have a million dollars in a not Cardi B. But that's not my business. <laughs> nah, man, come on. Don't see, because Beyonce does this. Beyonce comes out and says, to the left, to the left. And, and then ladies be hyped for getting that he pays your phone bill. You got to know what situation you're in. Don't walk to the left if he pays your phone bill. Now you don't. Now you can't call anybody. Cardi gonna have women out here thinking they don't have to cook, they don't have to clean to get a ring. Some of y'all not getting a ring around your finger if it's a ring around the tub. <laughs> Think about it. It's just like the movie The Ring. The only reason Cardi gets away with this is because she's coming through your TV. If you're not coming through the TV, there can't be a ring around the tub and a ring around your finger. Ladies, don't fall for the trap. Sometimes we gotta hold people accountable for some of the lyrics on these records because it's wild. Yo, come park your big truck in my little garage. Everybody's garage is not little. Everybody's truck is not big. I'm just saying, let's keep it real. All right, moving on. Either way you slice it and however you feel about it, it's a big moment for women. So shout out to women everywhere. I am always cheering and rooting for women. You should be proud to be a woman right now. You should be proud to be any woman. You should be proud to be a black woman. Kudos to you. Um, almost a year of the women. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> we'll wait for 2021. Um, somebody asked me to answer this question, so I will.
someone asked me, how do I feel about talking about people as a comedian? And has anybody ever been mad? Uh, so, all right, I'll start with this. First of all, the narrative on this has to change. If a comedian talks about you, you should take it as a compliment. You really should. Now, with me, I, I personally have never felt bad about talking about somebody through my comedy because my intent is never to hurt them. I think that you can use comedy in different ways. It's a weapon, but it doesn't necessarily have to be used for bad. You know, it's like a gun. You can use it to protect yourself or you can use it to harm someone else. Comedy has always been that to me. I think there's ways that you can actually make people see things that you don't like about them in a joking manner, enough to where they'll laugh, but they'll still get some reflection from it and go, okay, I never looked at it like that. But there's also a way you can abuse that and you can make someone feel bad about being who they are. And I never come from that place. And thankfully, no one has ever told me that they felt I came from that place. That's not to say that people have never been mad at me. <laughs> oh, that's happened. Uh, ironically, people typically get mad at me for things I say on air. They don't usually get mad at me for anything I say on stage. I don't think anyone has ever been mad at me for anything I, I've said on stage, which is funny to me because the things I say on stage are 10 times worse than the things I say on air. But funny enough, no one's ever been mad at anything I've said on stage. But certainly on the show, I've, I've said things and, and people have been upset. Uh, I, I think it was an adjustment for a lot of the people in my life. It was so much of an adjustment for me that I didn't really have the time to think about and process how much of an adjustment it had to be for them as well, because I was in it. So it was, I, I couldn't do that then. Now I've, I've, I've got enough of a balance to understand it a little more. And I tweak my stories enough that I think no one would ever be offended, but it comes with it. It certainly comes with being a comedian, but I've never, I never overthink it. But I talk about people that come to my shows all the time. Um, I actually used to have a rule for my family and my close friends that the first show you come to, I'm going to initiate you. I'm going to give you some time because whatever, whatever was your first show, it took you too long to come. So that's going to be, that's going to be my way of telling you, welcome. Uh, my parents have stood in front of that. Uh, sometimes it's just simply out of love. Like that's the thing. If a comedian talks about you, more than likely it means, one, you, you mean something to them enough that you've impacted their life in a way that they actually utilize their experiences with you to be funny, or you've done something that was so remarkable to them that they felt like it would be worth sharing with their fan base. Either way, that's a compliment. Now, I know sometimes that's hard to see. <laughs> that's easy for me to say because I'm always on the other side of the joke, but it is a compliment. Uh, some people, I'm always asked, how was it with your grandmother coming to every show? For me, it's a little different. My grandmother knows me. She knows who I am. I never think for a second that something I say on stage is going to change how my grandmother looks at me. I don't have that issue. So maybe that's a uh, kudos to her or just our relationship. But honestly, I've never struggled with that. I talk about everybody, my mom, my dad my sisters, my grandma, whomever, I've had jokes for them all. I think my dad has probably got it the worst, but that's because I know he can take it. He can handle it. That's the thing about being a comedian when it comes to talking about your friends and your family. You have to learn who can take it. Who knows that he's just joking? Some people will take it personally. You have to learn that, and then you leave those people alone. 
But when I talk about my friends and family, it's always from a place of love. I'm just not that comedian that that really hangs on to low hanging fruit. Now, I'm sure I've said things in times where I've had a friend or a family member go be upset with me for a little while. Maybe they didn't tell me. I'm sure that's happened. But at least I know I've never said anything to the point where they just won't talk to me ever again because it's jokes, man. Some people say it's a little seriousness in every joke. And I think that's kind of true, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this spin I'm going to put on it and this extra sauce I'm going to put on it, I mean. I don't mean that. The base of it is like, yeah, this is there, but I'm about to add a whole lot of bells and whistles. And you can't take those things personally. Or you can, but you shouldn't. I'm going to give y'all a quick story. In the beginning, I was, I was concerned about that. I was like, man, how is it going to be when I roast people or I talk about people or whatever the case. And you get to a point where you just like, you know what? I can't let that dictate who I'm going to be or what I'm going to say because then I'm not going to be being myself. And you can never get on a stage in front of people to do anything if you are not willing to be yourself because you won't be great. I believe that. So the only time in my life, true story, that I've ever felt bad about talking about somebody was when I had this show in Virginia Beach one time. And I didn't plan for this to happen or anything like that. This is one of those moments that just happens. And I'm up there and I asked if anyone still listened to R. Kelly. If anyone was brave enough to tell me in this moment that they still listen to R. Kelly. And it was this, this table of three women. And one of the women raised the other woman's hand. She forced her to put her hand in the air. And I was like, nah, you, you still listen to R. Kelly? She stood up like with confidence. Like, you know what? Yes, I do. And then everybody kind of went, oh. So I started singing. I don't see nothing wrong. And she started like getting it. And then the crowd kind of started singing and she was getting And then I stopped and I said, you see, you don't see nothing wrong with no bump and grind, huh? Nothing at all. And I said, this is why I'm going to tell y'all how to read the room. Okay. Now, the national statistics say that one in every three people have herpes. It's three people at that table. I'm going to go ahead and do some assuming right here. Um, if, she, <laughs> if this one person is at this table of three women that doesn't see anything wrong with a bump during a grind, well, let me tell you something. <laughs> and the place erupted. I mean, they, they went crazy. It was probably one of the loudest rooms I've ever seen. And she took it well in that moment. She laughed it off. But I didn't feel bad about what I said because it was a joke, but I felt bad about like the response. The room went nuts. And I, I in that moment, for some reason, I stopped and said, oh, my God, the poor woman. I can't imagine how she feels. I didn't mean that. I don't actually think she has herpes. It was a joke. But in my mind, I'm like, this could traumatize her, man. I'm not that guy. So after the show. Uh, I'm taking pictures and um, I'm saying hello to people and she I see her approaching me and I'm like oh man uh, she's uh, she's gonna swing on me I deserve it like in my mind I was like if this woman punches me in the face I'm I'm cool like I earned it and she came over and she hugged me first thing she did she gave me a hug and she was like that's the most fun I've had since I can remember I probably haven't laughed like that in my entire life that was so funny thank you and I said, oh, my God, with the herpes and everything. <laughs> I mean, I said, you had herpes. And she said, and she's like, she said, I don't know how you put that together so fast, but you, my friend, are a genius, and I love you. And she followed me, 
And I followed her back that right in that moment. And we've always kept in touch. And she's like one of my biggest fans now. But that's my point. She could have chose to take in that so many different ways. But she laughed and she had fun with it. Now, it's a little easier when you're saying some things about somebody that may not be true. But that's not the point here. Okay, let's focus <laughs> on the good. So take it as a compliment when comedians take the time to talk about you. I think... Uh, we living in these times where we're so sensitive, man. Life is short. Loosen up. Take a joke. If you don't have herpes, then what is the problem? <laughs> Even if you are irritated by what a comedian is doing, I'm gonna give y'all. I'm gonna give y'all some advice. Don't don't show that you're irritated. Most comedians love that. They they play off of the fact that they think they got you. So don't show that you're irritated. Speaking of irritation, you ever been so irritated with somebody? That sometimes you're irritated before the irritation even begins. You start being irritated as soon as they start talking because you know they're about to irritate you. I already know it's coming. So let me you ever be pissed before somebody even get to the point of pissing you off. Like I'm trying to get to the pissivity quicker so that I'll be over it faster because I already know you're going to take me there. <laughs> Let's get to the moments of the week. Um, Most reflective moment of the week. I was... uh. I was sitting down thinking about how in my last relationship, right, I had always lived this life of, oh, I'll never be jealous, which was true. I never really was like the jealous type. I just wasn't that guy to the point where a woman found that to be an issue. They just thought I didn't care. And I did. I just wasn't the jealous type. And in my last relationship, <laughs> I don't want to say I was the jealous type, but I certainly had the most ridiculous jealous moments. Right. And I'm not even talking about the moments that you think make you jealous. This is when I knew, OK, I love her something different. So I got to find a way to get out of this. Um, so I'm a very clean guy. Right. So I always felt like my place was super clean, spotless. And when we got to that point in my relationship where she was cleaning my apartment. I realized that I didn't know how to clean for shit. <laughs> All of a sudden I was like, oh, well, that's not a gift I have. Right. Because my place looked like a whole new place. It looked it was cleaner than when I moved in. And I got used to that. Like, oh, my God, it smells good. The carpet feels better. I'm sliding across the floor in my drawers doing the Tom Cruise like this is amazing. And I started to just fall in love with how she cleaned my place as if it were her own. So it became ours. Right. And then there were times when she would be over at her place and I would be at my place and I'd call her like, what you doing? And she would be like cleaning up and I would get mad. <laughs> Wait, I know you ain't over there cleaning that place like you be cleaning mine. Nah, <laughs> I know you're not dusted. You better not be dusted. I mean, I was, I, now I never said anything about it, of course, because then I would look crazy. But in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, she cleaning her own place. <laughs> How could she do this to me? Her place is cleaner. I cleaned my place, so I know it don't look as good. It don't smell good anymore. I don't even know where she got half of this smell good stuff from. Oh, man, I'm going to go live with her. <laughs> I didn't even want my own place anymore. That's disgusting. Oh, that's nasty. But that was my most reflective moment. 
of the week. You get jealous over some stupid shit when you in love, boy. Okay, some of y'all ain't going to admit that, but it's true. Anyway, wildest moment of the week. I saw this video of this mom, and it was on TikTok, and they and they posted it on TikTok. I saw it because somebody said that it looked just like the scene from The Shining, but she was basically using a wrench in order to try to break into her son's room because her son wouldn't get out of her place. Listen to this audio. Get out of my house, Chase. You are ungrateful. Do you have a hammer or a wrench? Wrench. Grateful. Crazy. Grateful. Look at this. Broke my door. Crazy, get out. All right, so, <laughs> I, uh, listen, first of all, the fact that she stopped in mid-anger to go, uh, it's a wrench, uh, <laughs> that part had me dying. But on top of that, I wasn't laughing at the mom, because I don't think the mom is crazy like most people do. I just think that boy must have did something to really get her to that point. But can you imagine how mad you have to be as a person or as a mom to where you're damaging your own shit to get your son out the house? Yo, she ruined her door. That's the biggest peephole I've ever seen in my life. You will always know who's there. They're coming in through the peephole. Imagine. <laughs> I thought about doing it because it'd be mad easy to get my Uber Eats. You don't even have to open the door. You're all right. Pass it through. Thank you. That's just like jail. I don't know what her son did, but she was damaging her own crib. I'm like, when he get out, you still got to fix that, mama. The hell are you doing? I, I broke my whole door. At least your son ain't there no more. You right. <laughs> All right, real quick. I'm not going to stay on this long because it's sports. But this is funny and this is interesting, right? So some of the NBA players have been complaining about mental health issues because they are forced to stay in this bubble and they don't really have visitors. They can't see their families. They can't be with their wives or their significant others or what have you. And they feel like they're always at work. So Stephen A. Smith from ESPN suggested that uh, <laughs> they should be able to have, like, conjugal visits, basically. <laughs> uh, listen to this clip. Loneliness. It's very, very simple. You better let somebody come up in there and see him. You understand what I'm saying to you? I'm just being real. I'm just being real. Somebody got to say it. Someone I mean, you mean listen, like a doctor, Stephen A., what do you mean? that simple. So, uh, look, they, 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 they got to let somebody I up in there to see it. So now, it would be nice to see, the, you know, the, the whole family and all that stuff. I got that. You understand? I really, really do. But we all know that, you know, six of those teams are going home at the end of this week, all right, because they ain't going to be here in the playoffs, right? Well, that's six teams, right? Okay, so you got the teams, the roster, and all of their personnel. Now, you can't just let family come up in there. So like, but 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 you can, you can let one somebody come there. You can let a, a wife or a girlfriend come. I would strongly advise the NBA to facilitate that happening before August 30th. Not after. Before. Hmm. It would, I would strongly advise. Just one person. Well, just one. It will go a long Stephen A., are you, are you advocating? Are you advocating for conjugal visits in the bubble? I mean, the bottom line is they didn't do anything yes. wrong. They're not in jail. You know, <laughs> they, they yes. just, there's a pandemic. I mean, I didn't want to go there. Social distancing, since, since Stephen you A. The question, you got a social distance. Since you asked the question, yes. 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 It's all going to come tumbling down. All right, so <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with them allowing 
their wives to visit or their girlfriends if you test them and you let them in and they stay or whatever the case, right? The NBA will figure it out. I'm really here for Donovan Mitchell. So uh, this guy plays for the Utah Jazz. Now, this is the same guy who came down with the coronavirus, but it's only fair to mention that he probably got that from Rudy Gobert, was playing around with it like it wasn't a real thing, and gave it to him. Not here nor there. The thing is, he released an Instagram Live, which was about five seconds long, and it appeared to be him having sexual activity with someone in the room. And it was like, oh, no, it was an accident, right? So that's when this whole thing of players are sneaking women into the bubble thing came up. Here's my thing. Maybe it's me. But how do you accidentally do that? Like, they're like, oh, he didn't mean to do it. Okay, maybe he didn't, but I'm confused. Because I have never accidentally gone on Instagram Live in my life. So I'm confused as to how you can do that while you're having, maybe it's me. While you're having sex, how do you accidentally log into your phone? You clearly don't have a mask on because you didn't have to enter the code. Accidentally scroll to your Instagram app. Accidentally click the Instagram live button. Oh, oh my God. We're on Instagram live. Cancel. I don't know that that's an accident. But then why would you do it on purpose? I don't know what's going on in that bubble. I don't know. But something tells me that that was no accident and that the players are sending a message. <laughs> and apparently Stephen A. Smith is the president of that message, boy. Um. Anyway, I said all that to say that is not my cousin. Now, funniest moment of the week, there was this guy that was in a store and he was mad about something. I think he was mad because somebody told him he should have a mask on. So, he, of course, he was mad and he was he wanted to fight. And so he's, I don't have to wear a mask. I can do whatever I want to do. Who are you, buddy? And then he's with his son. He picks him up and he carries him out the store. I mean, literally like you would your three-year-old daughter. The dad is on his son's shoulder yelling, you ain't so tough. <laughs> Yo, fam. You can't yell you ain't so tough on your son's shoulder. What are you doing? <laughs> Your son's earlobe is pressed against your belly button because he's carrying you out the store. You don't get to yell you ain't so tough in that situation. Put a mask on. Oh, that's nasty. Speaking of nasty, nastiest moment of the week. All right, I'm going to tell y'all a quick story. I didn't want to tell this story because I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed by it. But since we're here, I'm just going to tell it, okay? Uh, way back in the day, I was very, very young. I was in high school, and I had a best friend, and she was a woman. And she started dating this guy. And he was a really nice guy, super nice guy. Every time I met him, I thought he was, he was cool. But they got into a thing once, and I was there, and he got, a, he got aggressive with her. And I tried to, like, hold him back. Kind of ironic that I spoke last week on the I can't really watch a guy get aggressive with a woman and not do anything. And so I I, try, I grabbed him. I said, yo, you can't do that. You know, what are you doing? And he kind of pushed me. I said, fam, I don't, don't, don't do that because I'm going to have to hurt you and I don't want to do that. And he, do what you got to do. And, that's, and allegedly, his face slapped my hand. Allegedly, right? You know, it was pretty hard. 
I don't know why his face did that. Now, I am not, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that, honestly, because violence is ridiculous. It's stupid. But I thought I was defending my friend, and that's what happened. So I get a random phone call the other day from one of my friends, and he's like, Elmo, remember that used to go to school with us? I said, yeah, of course I do. And, he's, <laughs> and he started laughing. He said, remember that little incident you had with him? And I said, yeah, man, why would you bring that up? Go to his profile. He said he's been trying to reach out to you. And I know you can't check all your messages, so go check him out. So I did. And he sent me a message. And the message was like, hey, Mo, good news, man. I see you out there in Atlanta doing your thing. I'm super proud of you. I'm moving out there for good for work, and I just wanted to catch up with you. Let's get a drink. So I said, okay, wait a minute. Is he back for revenge? And then I go to his Instagram. And sure enough, there it is. He's packing up with his lovely family and he's moving to Atlanta. But do you know why? Now to me, if you had a little altercation with somebody back in the day, and then 10 plus years later, you reconnect with them. It's two things you wouldn't want them to be. The second to worst thing is a UFC fighter or a boxer of some sort, of course. Because they're going to ask you to repeat that situation, and I don't necessarily feel like it. <laughs> but the worst, the one you've never thought of, and I know you haven't because I didn't. This man is a pastor. <laughs> I'm not joking. He's a pastor. He's moving to Atlanta because he has a church. And he wants me to come meet with him because he wants me to testify in front of the church. <laughs> but I can't get over what I did. Listen, I feel like God might hold this against me. I was young. I thought I was doing the right thing. Why is this man, why did he turn out to be a pastor? I can't go have drinks with the pastor. And this is what I know. Every time I've ever gone to a pastor's church to speak, they always give an introduction of who you are, how they know you, and what you do. Well, you know who I am? I am me. And you know what I did? I slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> tell the church that and ask me to go up there. I'm not doing that. I'm a man of God now. I have changed. I don't know what to do, y'all. I don't know if I should go. What if it's a setup? But at the same time, he's way too close to Jesus for me to not go and ask for forgiveness. What if I go and Jesus is with him? What I'm going to do? Oh, man. Y'all got to help. I can't even hit him with the, yo, coronavirus, social distancing. I'm not really going to be around anybody like that. He going to know I'm lying. God going to tell him. The one time in my life I use these hands for good, they come back to haunt me. The presence of the Lord is here. <laughs> I don't know what to do. That's a true story. Oh, man. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to keep y'all posted. Nastiest moment of the week. Only place to go from the nastiest moment of the week is to the lowest moment of the week. So, um... So I done told y'all I'm not the handiest guy in the world, right? Like, every guy has to know what he just don't have. And I, I just, I'm not the walk around with a tool belt guy ready to fix something. That's just not me. But I've been getting better. 
I done hung a couple TVs around here. I'm getting busy. And I, I thought because I hung a couple TVs that I was advanced. I was like, oh, I'm advanced. I'm about to get it rocking now. So I didn't like the way I had wires on the floor under my little computer desk because it's a lot of wires. It's too many wires. I was like, nah, I don't like that. That's corny. That's for amateurs. So I ordered these little... I ordered like these little tape like things that's supposed to help you uh, tape wires and things to your desk. So that's what I did. I taped all of the wires and everything to my desk underneath so that there were no wires on the floor. So there I am feeling myself because I got leg room and we midway through the Burt show one day during the week. And next thing I know, I'm in a full blown entanglement. The definition of entanglement is when you're tangling the sheets. It all fell. All of it. All of the wires fell, everything fell. Now my legs is wrapped around, I can't get out. I'm trying to pretend like I'm not uncomfortable, but I am. I'm in a full-blown entanglement with my legs in August, okay? Me too, Jada. <laughs> Who saw it coming? I was really tangled up mid-segment. The surge protector fell on me, one of the big ones too. The big ass modem fell on me, everything fell on me, man. All right. Uh, let me get out of here. Message of the week. Um, I'm gonna leave y'all with this. So the question of the week from the Burt Show this week was, if you could give life advice in five words, what would it be? And, and, I, and I thought to myself, how, what would it be? And um, for me, if I had to put life advice in five words, it would be, be afraid, do it anyway. Because I personally believe that every person has those moments in their life or a moment in their life where you can go left or you can go right. And usually the left one might be very scary and the right one might be a little more in your comfort zone. What I've discovered is every time I've decided to go toward that fear, it was rough, but my life got a lot better. A lot of success stories come from people going left in those moments. It's always easier to do the easy thing, but usually the hard thing is what gets you what you really want. You can either work hard and live easy or work easy and live hard. It's up to you, but I personally believe when you go at your fears, that's when you start living because life happens on the other side of fear. Let fear drive you and keep pushing through it every single time. Not only do I think you should go toward the fear, you should be excited that you're afraid. That's why I'm at. Something scares me. I'm alive. That's a beautiful thing. I'm being challenged. I am about to grow. I am about to step outside of my comfort zone and, and be a stronger person, a better person, a wiser person, a more prepared person. You have to set goals you can't possibly achieve and then grow into the person who can. That's where the success is. On the other side of that fear. That's where your dreams are. That's where everything that you didn't even realize you could accomplish is. It's on the other side of fear. At some point, it's no longer about where you come from. It's only about where you are and where you're going. And I'm striving to be at that point every day. We all should be. Push through it, whatever it is. It's supposed to be scary. But when you look back on it and say, I did it and it was nothing, you realize how much of a beast you really are. I'll give y'all a quick example of this. Back when I was doing like 15, 20 minute sets. This was the very beginning for me in comedy. At this point, I'd probably had 10 successful shows. So I wasn't a veteran by any means, but I'd had enough shows under my belt that I knew I was pretty good. And this particular show, 
there was uh, some representatives of Nike that was in the crowd because they wanted me to come and perform for uh, one of the Nike stores in Manhattan. And if you know me, I'm a sneakerhead. I'm a Nike fan through and through. If Nike or Polo comes out and does something racist, I will be walking around butt-ass naked. I mean, that's my entire closet. So, we, like, they, those are two people who can't ever get it wrong, especially Nike. So I was excited. This was a very big deal for me. And I had got comfortable around my fifth or sixth show. Got comfortable. I wasn't as scared as I was the first or second because I was like, oh, now I got this. But this particular show where I knew something was on the line, of course, I get sick, right? That's life. You got the biggest presentation of your life at work, and what happens the morning you wake up? You feel like shit, right? That's, that, these are the type of things that happen. And I felt horrible. I called one of my best friends, and I was like, yo, I can't do this. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I, I, I just don't have it. I'm, I'm throwing up. Well, I, I think I have the flu. And she's like, Flew my ass. Nike is at the show. You better fly your ass there and figure it out. I said, I can't. I'm literally like, I'm going to go up there and be ass. She said, Mo, I don't care what you feeling. Now, mind you, this ain't like I felt sick the morning of to where I still had time to cancel. This is like I started feeling sick midday and people were already on their way to the show. So I would have had to have canceled super late. And she was like, you're not doing that. You don't work too hard to get Nike in this building. I said, so what if I go up there on stage and just throw up on people? She said, well, then we going viral and that's just what it's going to be. I keep my phone out the whole time. All right, fine. I'm going to do it. If for no other reason, I'm going to do it just to show you that this was a stupid idea. She's like, I don't care. You such a Nike fan. Just do it. I said, okay, now you all of a sudden the damn comedian. Why don't you take your ass up on the stage? Anyway, I'm on my way to the show. I start getting motion sickness. It starts getting worse from me being in a car. I used to perform at a place where it took us about an hour to get there because of traffic in New York. And it was all the way in Harlem. I lived in Brooklyn. If you're not from New York, that means nothing to you. But it was an hour drive. So I literally had to ask the taxi driver to pull over like three times so I can throw up on the highway. I'm throwing up. And he's like, are you are you all right? Where are you going? And I'm like, nah, I got a show tonight. Let's get it. <laughs> he's like, are you OK? No, not OK. I'm asking you to stop on the highway to throw up. He's like, well, why are you going to this show? And I'm like, because I'm performing, man. And he's like, oh, you nervous? I'm, Hell no, these ain't nervous chunks. <laughs> these is I'm really sick chunks. And stop making me talk or I'm going to throw up in the car. He's my bad. So he gets me to the show. I'm like, Grandma, I feel terrible. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know, but I've been throwing up the whole way here. So then the bartender comes over and the bartender's like, normal? You want your Henny and your Coke? My grandmother like, nah, he wants some water. I said, Grandma, wait a minute. She said, yep, you want some water. So I'm like, now, mind y'all, at this point in my career, I'd never performed sober. I'd always needed the liquid courage to get me going. At least I thought I needed it. But this moment, the universe forced me to go up there, no alcohol, sick, dry, feeling like shit. And my grandmother watched me and... They brought me a water and a drink, and I didn't touch the drink because I couldn't, but I drank the water, and I took my sick ass on stage not knowing what the hell was going to happen in front of Nike, and I crushed it. I legit had the best show I'd ever had to that point. So much so that shout out to my guy Spruce, who used to put those shows together. He came up to me after the show, and he said, I don't know what was different about you tonight, but that's the best you've ever done. And I was like, what? Because I didn't feel it. I didn't feel like I was great. I felt like I was spinning my wheels to just get a little bit. But I put so much into it. 
so much focus, so much effort, so much attention. I took it so seriously, not necessarily because Nike was there. I didn't want people to realize how sick I was. I felt like I had to put forth more effort in order to get past the fact that I was sick. It was Michael Jordan during the flu game. But for him, it wasn't even really the flu. He just had bad pizza. I really had the flu. Who is Michael Jordan? We talking about Mo Mitch. I'm just telling y'all facts. <laughs> and long story short, I had an amazing show. Nike loved me. Uh, I performed for Nike. The rest was history. But my point is... That day wasn't about Nike. That day was about the fact that the universe, God, however you want to phrase it, needed me to know you don't need that to perform, bro. You good. But I had to push through it to figure that out. Sure. That's the day I went from doing comedy to being a comedian because there was nothing that was going to stop me from getting to where I needed to be. Sick or not, doesn't matter. Scared or not, doesn't matter. Push through it, whatever it is. Be afraid. Do it anyway. Next week, bitches. Sometimes I just lay in the truck, thinking out loud, just praying for luck. Wishing he could show me a way, cause I'm stuck. Got these scars on me, I stay in the cut. Uh, kind of private, ain't saying too much. People all into these games, they playing too much. Never felt them, no reason for staying in touch. Howling this game on you, boy, I'm MJ in the clutch. Uh, I'm just searching for freedom. Demons keep growing on me. It hurts when I feed them. I keep trying, but it's too much work to deplete them. My uncle flipped on me bad, and it hurts because I need him. Uh, for that, you could never prepare. You give your whole when you thought that you never could share. To somebody who just seemed like they never could care. Turn your back on you, act like you never was there. Damn. Whether it's your first step on the property ladder or your first place with stairs, from new builds to rebuilds, a new home is one of life's biggest moments. And we all know life doesn't always go to plan. That's why at Bank of Ireland, our personalised mortgages can change if your life changes. When you're ready to make a move, we're ready to make it with you. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval subject to assessment of suitability and affordability. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank Trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Ugh, another evening stuck in rush hour. Imagine if your commute was 30% less. You'd probably be home by now. Uh, sorry, we can't get you home quicker, but a Cadbury Dairy Milk 30% less sugar bar on this upcoming podcast should help get you there. Cadbury Dairy Milk 30% less sugar, just as irresistible. Certainty. With Volkswagen commercial vehicles, it's included as standard. The Crafter, Transporter and the all-new 5th generation Caddy are more innovative, dynamic and efficient than ever before. Now with HP Finance from 0%, purchase contributions of up to €3,500 and service plans from €9.99. They're the smart next step for your business. For vans and offers you can rely on always, contact your local Volkswagen commercial vehicles dealer or visit volkswagenvans.ie and leave the rest to us. Finance provided by way of higher purchase agreement from Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland and subject to lending criteria. Terms and conditions apply. Certainty. With Volkswagen commercial vehicles, it's included as standard. The Crafter, Transporter and the all-new 5th generation Caddy are more innovative, dynamic and efficient than ever before. Now with HP Finance from 0%, purchase contributions of up to €3,500 and service plans from €9.99. They're the smart next step for your business. For vans and offers you can rely on always. 
Contact your local Volkswagen commercial vehicles dealer or visit volkswagenvans.ie and leave the rest to us. Finance provided by way of higher purchase agreement from Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland and subject to lending criteria. Terms and conditions apply.